I was frantically running around in my pink skirt and high heels. Any desire that I had of appearing as a graceful host, gently floating from one group of people to another, just flew out the window. My hair was a mess, and I was sweaty from cooking and running around all day. Now, if you've ever had to host an event, you know the feeling. Your mind is racing. Is everyone comfortable? Is there enough food? Should I bring out more chairs? My mind was so bombarded with the logistics of my party that I had completely forgotten why I decided to throw a party in the first place. You see, last year, my birthday happened to fall on Labor Day, and it was shortly after I accepted the position to serve as campus director in Stanford. A new city, a new home, a new job, and it was my birthday. Since many people took off from work for Labor Day, I thought that it'd be a great idea to gather my old friends and get to know my new community. But the daunting task of preparing food for a large gathering quickly robbed me of my initial joy and excitement. During my party, one of my closest friends noticed how frazzled I was, and she gathered everybody to surround me in prayer. And at that moment, everything that had consumed my mind and my heart melted away as I sensed God's presence for the first time that day in the company of his people. My old friends from back home prayed a beautiful prayer of blessing, releasing me into my new chapter as new friends in Stanford warmly received me in prayer. Have you ever been in a situation where you were so distracted by what you were doing that it drew you away from the most important thing? Since the start of Lent, we've been looking at various passages that focus on meals with Jesus. Last week, Pastor Nathan preached on Jesus multiplying food and feeding the crowd of over 5,000. And by the end, all who ate were satisfied. In this passage that we're about to look at this morning, Jesus is preparing a different kind of meal, a spiritual meal. But Martha, just like the disciples, is anxious and worried about how she's going to feed everybody. The story of Mary and Martha is a familiar one for many of us, but I want to encourage you this morning to look at it with fresh eyes. This story takes place in Bethany, which was a great pit stop for those who were traveling between Jerusalem and Jericho. Jesus frequently visited the home of Mary and Martha during his travels. It was like a second home to him. Let's take a look and see what happens in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 40. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Okay, let's stop right there for a moment. Imagine this scenario with me. There is commotion in the village of Bethany. Jesus is in town. As soon as Martha hears these words, she runs out of her home in excitement, and she eagerly greets Jesus on the road, persuading him and his disciples to be her guests that evening. Oh, come in, come in. I'll draw water for you to wash your feet, and I'll prepare something for you to eat so that you may rest a while. You see, the Jews during Jesus' time highly valued the study of Scripture, and rabbis often traveled from town to town, teaching in people's homes, outdoors, and in synagogues. And Jesus, being the most sought-after rabbi of his time, entered into the home of Mary and Martha. Wow, what a privilege, and what an honor it was to have a rabbi like Jesus in their home. 
Now, if you were a first century Jew, there was this popular saying that had been circulating around for over 100 years before Jesus came. Let your house be a meeting place for the rabbi and cover yourself in the dust of their feet and drink in their words thirstily. To cover yourself with the dust of a rabbi's feet meant that you were one of his disciples, following him from town to town, being covered in the dust that his feet kicked up as he walked on dusty roads. It was considered a privilege and a badge of honor to be covered in the dust of your rabbi. The dustier you were, it meant that you followed him closely and were part of his inner circle. Imagine guys like Peter, James, and John, dirty and dusty from walking so closely and intimately with Jesus, which raises the question, just how dusty are you? Now, upon entering a home, it was customary for rabbis to sit on pillows or low chairs while the disciples would sit on the ground around him. And that is how the phrase, sit at one's feet, became an idiom for discipleship. And that's what we see Mary depicted here in verse 39 as she sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to his teaching. You know, her posture is rather unusual and countercultural for her time considering she lived in a patriarchal society where discipleship was typically reserved for men. She had some chutzpah or gall to sit around with the big boys. Mary didn't care what people thought of her. She was so completely enthralled by Jesus that she couldn't help but lean into his presence and drink in the words that seemed to make her come alive. Now, while this is going on, Martha's in another room. And she's busy and distracted with much serving. See, the Greek word that is translated as distracted means to be pulled away in different directions. The daunting task of cooking for all these different people pulled Martha away from Jesus. Her initial joy and excitement of hosting Jesus quickly turned to anxiety, worry, and pressure to perform. Now, I just want to mention here that oftentimes the story of Mary and Martha in Luke's gospel is one that we regularly hear interpreted as a choice between two different lifestyles, the active and the contemplative. Mary is perceived as the contemplative worshiper, while Martha is perceived as the active servant, the doer. But realistically speaking, it really can't be one or the other. It's not Martha versus Mary. You need both in God's kingdom. You can't just be sitting at Jesus' feet. You also need to do his work, right? And you might be sitting there and you empathize with Martha. You understand her frustration and you're thinking, yeah, somebody's got to do it. Who's going to make dinner? But the issue here wasn't that what Martha was doing was bad. In fact, what she was doing was good. But the issue was that she was distracted. She became so distracted with the preparations that she lost sight of Jesus. And sometimes what we do for God can distract us from being with God so that it's no longer about him, but about us. Verse 40 says, And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Can you imagine what was going on in Martha's mind leading up to this moment? 
She probably noticed Mary in the corner of her eye, and she was feeling pretty annoyed. That lazy girl. Right? Why is she just sitting there? Why is she not helping me? There's so much work to be done here. She was probably looking towards Mary's direction multiple times, giving her that stink eye, you know, hoping that she'd get the hint. She might have been banging her pots and jars in the kitchen, hoping that that noise is going to travel across the room and alert her sister that she needed some help. But all her efforts were to no avail, and she finally takes matters into her own hands. Now, by this point, Martha is fuming with anger, and she makes a beeline for Jesus. Think about this with me for a moment. Martha could have easily gone to Mary, pulled her to the side, and had spoken to her in private. But no, she interrupts Jesus in the middle of his teaching and calls out her sister in front of the others, which could lead to humiliation. Martha was offended towards Jesus' seemingly lack of concern, and she felt sorry for herself. When things weren't going the way that she wanted, it exposed what was really inside of her heart. Anxiety, worry, criticism, and self-pity. And why was Martha so anxious? Because her eyes were no longer on Jesus, but on the task at hand, and she was quickly losing control. And what happens when we tend to lose control of a person or situation, what do we tend to do? We fight to gain it back. And that's exactly what Martha does when she tells Jesus what to do. Martha was focused on her own agenda that she demands Jesus align himself and Mary to that agenda. How ridiculous is that? And yet, how often do we make that same mistake and tell God what we think he should do. But let me tell you something. God will never submit to our dysfunction. He will never submit to our fears, our anxieties, our worries, our doubts, or our pride. Instead, when sin is exposed in our hearts, God, in his infinite love and mercy, always calls us back to himself. If you've ever owned a musical instrument or know someone who plays one, you'll know that most instruments need to be tuned from time to time so that it plays at the correct pitch. Now, I own a guitar at home, and it constantly needs to be tuned every time I pick it up because the slightest change in external factors like temperature or humidity can affect the tension of the strings, causing it to go out of tune. Have you ever heard an instrument being played that was out of tune? It sounds terrible, right? No matter how good the instrument is or how skilled the person who's playing it, if that instrument is out of tune, it will not sound good. And in the same way, think about our hearts like that of an instrument. We get easily distracted and our circumstances quickly cause us to go out of tune. And just like Martha, when things aren't going the way we want, it exposes what's really inside of our hearts. In those moments, we need to ask ourselves this question. Is my heart focused on God? Or is this really about me? Personally, when I feel irritated, 
when I am annoyed with people or when I'm anxious about a situation, it's an indication that I am out of alignment with God and need to get back into his presence. The story of Mary and Martha shows us that doing things for God is not the same as being with God. Sometimes what we do for God can even distract us from being with him so that it's no longer about God and his agenda, but it's about us and our own agenda. And yet God, in his infinite love and mercy, always calls us back to himself. Verse 41 to 42 says, But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, there are two things that I want to highlight from these verses. The first is the good portion which Mary chose. What was the good portion? Listen to the words of the psalmist in Psalm 73, verse 25 to 26. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The good portion is none other than God himself. It's being in his presence and drinking in his words. It's spending time with him through prayer and meditation, cultivating intimacy. God is looking for a people who are more captivated by him than what goes on in the world around them. And Martha was worried about physical food, but Jesus was providing spiritual food that would last for all eternity. Mary understood this as the highest priority, and she chose the latter. Now what's interesting is that later on in John chapter 11, you see the same Mary, this time weeping at the feet of Jesus as she grieves the death of her brother Lazarus. And in chapter 12, we see another picture of Mary, this time anointing the feet of Jesus in preparation for his burial. Mary learns at the feet of Jesus. She grieves at the feet of Jesus. And she anoints the feet of Jesus as a prophetic declaration. The image of Mary at the feet of Jesus is a picture of what true discipleship looks like, rooted in intimacy. We learn in God's presence. We laugh in God's presence. We cry in God's presence. And we are transformed in his presence. The second thing I want to highlight is Jesus' personal invitation to Martha. In verse 41, he responds to Martha in a gentle, loving manner and calls her name twice in a row. Martha, Martha. Now, throughout the Bible, there are several instances when God calls the name of a person or a city twice in a row. And he would say it twice to get the person's attention because what he was about to share was important. And in addition to getting their attention... Repeating a person's name was also a Hebrew expression of intimacy, 
a sign of close, deep friendship. So when Jesus called out, Martha, Martha, he wasn't criticizing Martha or condemning her. Instead, he was inviting her to intimacy. He was saying, Martha, Martha, come, lay down your many burdens and simply be with me. See, Jesus knew that he would only be with her for a short while. For not too long from then, he would be hanging on a cross, calling out to his heavenly father in the same manner, saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When you know that your time on earth is limited, you want to cherish every moment you have with the ones you love. That was Jesus' heart for these sisters. And in the same way that he longed to be with them, he longs to be with us. He loved us so much that he was willing to die. And he tore that veil that separated us from God so that we would always have access to his presence. Friends, we can sit at his feet now and for all eternity. I want to encourage you to just take a few moments right now and tune your heart and ears to the voice of Jesus. And regardless of what you're going through, whether you're rejoicing or whether you are grieving or whether you find yourself so busy and distracted that you forgot what it was like to be in his presence, take this moment right now to enter in. His presence is here in this room. And as you sit in his presence, hear the voice of Jesus, the lover of your soul. He knows you and is calling you by name. Amen.